0: Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I hope you've had a really good week. My name's Daniel and uh, we've had lots of great interviews in the last couple of weeks. Uh, But for today, I have Sue Roth and she is the executive director from Arts Project Australia. And I'm going to let Sue speak and then we'll we'll, we'll get her to tell us what Arts Project Australia is. So hello, Sue. How are you?
1: I'm very well,
0: Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. It's great to have you on and uh, for me it's actually really good because you live in the same country and the same uh, state as me so we can do it at the same time rather than me getting up mega early or staying up mega late to record an overseas interview.
1: Absolutely
0: and there's nothing better to do on a Friday afternoon than talk to you. It's great, isn't it? How lucky are you? (laughs) So do you want to give us a bit of an overview of what Arts Project Australia is?
1: Sure. Um, arts Project Australia is a creative social enterprise that supports visual artists with intellectual disabilities. It also promotes their work and probably most importantly, it advocates for their inclusion within the broader contemporary art sector. So we support, promote and advocate for artists with intellectual disabilities.
0: Beautiful. And look, I mean, I know Arts Project Australia and I've known you for quite some years. Um, I mean, Arts Project, is, well, let's just call it Arts Project. Arts Project is a great place and it's also great, yeah, for social inclusion, isn't it, and people to make friends and also uh, discover peers in the art world and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. We've got, in in normal times anyway, we have around 40 artists a day working in our studio. We have a really large you know, um, natural light studio, and people come for anything from one day to five days a week, depending yeah. on their level of interest, and they make art. And they we don't teach it. We do have technical advice for um, art forms like digital art and printmaking and ceramics where yeah. people need yeah. to understand the techniques, but we don't teach. So people are free to develop their own artistic style, and to concentrate on the mediums that they want to use. So we don't necessarily, you don't have to come to Arts Project with a full art folio and be highly experienced. Yep. It's a place to develop and trial what you want to do. And further down the track, there's great um, opportunities to um, build a career in in as being a visual artist sell your work exhibit your work etc
0: yep look I've seen some of your stuff recently I think it was um, an artist called Bronwyn had created a lady and a chair was it and maybe a pet dog. Um, like a lounge sort of setting, is that right? Well, that was actually a combination of artists. Right.
1: Um, That was a a show we had recently at our Collingwood Yards Gallery called Material World. Right. And that comes out of the program we call um, Extended Practice and I never knew what that meant. I kept having to ask, what, what does Extended Practice mean? Extended Practice means work with anything you want, however you want. So they do a lot of work with fabric yeah. Uh, do a lot of work with digital. Um, they might meld digital and fabric works. And um, Bronwyn's uh, artworks for those were a pair of bodysuits, in fact, one with That's male, right, yeah. male um, bits on it <laughs> 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 and the other one with female bits. And Bronwyn's been uh, quite absorbed with a whole range of, of, she's been working her way through the body pretty much. Yeah. He's done the heart, the liver, the lungs, all sorts of external and internal organs. Wow. And he makes them with fabric, with sticks, she stitches. They're really quite extraordinary and quite beautiful. But we had two dancers wearing the bodysuits, which was quite dangerous because they couldn't see at all because the, the eyes were part of the bodysuit that yeah. covered up the real eyes but They did a beautiful dance for the opening, and then now the bodysuits are on model, um, you know, like mannequins, yeah, yeah. Move them around. The dog was another artist, Matthew Gove. And Matthew, yeah, Matthew came to us. Um, he'd had quite a lot of ceramic experience, but things get a bit viral in our studio if you've never picked up um, a needle before, but you see a few people around you stitching and making things. So, Matthew's Matthew actually created that dog, which had really wire whiskers and buttons and things all over it quite extraordinary and the amount of work that goes into those pieces is
0: very very lengthy yeah yeah
1: they're fantastic I mean look
0: sometimes it is just seeing someone else do something isn't it and then thinking I wonder if I could do that
1: well this is when you were talking about the community in the studio this is how it works and I remember not long after I started which would be not long after I met you for the first time um there was a, a, a few pictures of geishas floating around this, just as reference material. Yeah. You know, they were pulled from magazines or National Geographics. And there was all of a sudden this viral geisha. Everyone was doing geishas, each yeah. in their yeah. own individual style. So none of them looked the same. Yeah. And that's what we really, I guess, try to promote, is that people develop. They're not told what to paint or draw or make. Um, they do what they want. They can make it realistic, abstract, whatever. Yep. But it's and then that's how people develop an individual style. That's how any artist develops an individual style.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, there's some amazing artists you've had there. Um I wasn't going to pick anyone out that I know because I don't want uh other people to say, oh, why didn't he mention me? But I I must say that Julian Martin, I mean, I used to be astounded by his work and I think for him it's mainly because I really like those nice straight lines and blocks um, and the colours he would choose of the pastels would just make the picture, like, really pop at you.
1: And still the same. Mm. I mean, it's fascinating when you look. Julian's been an artist in our studio for I would say twenty-five to thirty years now. Wow. He came to us as a relatively young man. Yeah, um, Julian is doesn't really speak, so yeah. he uses his art to communicate what he's feeling. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's not a therapy for him, I suppose, but we know we know when he's happy with something and when he's not happy with something. Yeah, and you look back in the early days, he did huge. Faces with big dark eyes, and and a few years ago he ripped his paper in four, and he's been doing these smaller pastel, bright colours, beautiful abstract pieces that, as you say, just pop out at you. And you could yep. buy twenty of them and hang them together, and they look amazing. He's got an incredible international reputation now, though he's yeah. uh, represented by a gallery in Philadelphia called Fleischer Olman, He sells an enormous amount of work and his, his artwork's worth quite a lot of money now too. So oh, we're really be. proud yeah. to have assisted Julian to get to this point in his career.
0: Well, look, I was looking around my house last night because I knew I was talking to you today and I think I have 12 uh, artworks from Arts Project and actually now in the new studio that I work in, I've got three hanging up here too. Good to hear. <laughs> that's quite a lot yeah and and it's from a mixture of different people and it's interesting how you say how people progress because one of the ones I've got I've got three or four pictures of them and when you see the first one which nothing wrong with it but it's more a stick figure to the next one which you actually see the head sort of evolving a bit more and a bit of the body and then it's probably the third one it's almost like the what do you call it the portrait so it's the head, the shoulders, the hair, and it's just like, wow, that's over about a period of, I'd say, 10 years. So the change in how they're doing their artwork and how they've become more confident with it in what they're doing and how they're expressing, I mean, even just... The mouths, you know, like some people looking at it might go, oh, look, that's not a perfect mouth. But the way you see it, it's it's just it's changed so much from the first one they've drawn a mouth to where they've come 10 years later, you know, and it's phenomenal to see that change in someone. And and must be a huge boost in their confidence.
1: I think it is a huge boost in their confidence, particularly when maybe people that they live with or work with um, on a daily basis who don't see that work come in, and see what has been happening over the past year. And we, we, you know, we have an end of year gala uh, exhibition, which is the one exhibition of the year where absolutely every single artist that works in our studio has a piece in the gala. And, you know, I think my favourite thing is to watch family members walk in and say, all right, where's your work? and we better buy it, and they go up and buy it, and it's been sold. It's been sold to a complete stranger who wants the work. Yeah. And that's when they go, oh, my God, actually, there's something in this, you know. This is something that is valued by other people.
0: Oh, definitely. And, look, I think before we started the podcast, um, we were talking off air, And, you know, we were saying, uh, well, I was saying to you why I wanted to start the podcast was to give everybody uh, a voice and to reduce stigma around mental health issues and also to help people with an intellectual disability or just a disability be able to stand up for themselves and feel counted and not feel sort of neglected. And I'm not having a go at um, government housing here that helps people with disability. A lot of them are really good. But I think in that house situation, they probably are just a number and can they do this, can they do that, we need to train them to do this, like jobs around the house. And then they come to your to Arts Project and they create this work that, yeah, people don't realise that they have this amazing talent because they just see them in the home environment.
1: Exactly. I think I always find that interesting in terms of the expectations that we in society generally have of people with disabilities. and. Historically, they've been very low expectations. Yes. We have pretty high expectations of our artists and that's, a, we don't call anyone a client, they're artists. If you come to Arts Project, you're an artist. Yeah. And we have pretty high expectations of them in terms of behaviours and being a part of the community, the expectation that they're there to make art, they're not there to, you know, do something completely different. Yeah, yeah. And the focus there is quite extraordinary. When you first bring someone who's never been to the studio into the studio to see what's going on, they're obviously blown away. I really don't know what they think they're going to find. And they find 40 artists working diligently on yes. their artwork, happy to talk about their artwork, experimenting, as you would in any tertiary institution yeah. for art.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, I think as I said, the, um, the expectation sometimes that families and houses have are fairly low and, and they're often very surprised when they come and see what's actually been happening at Arts Project.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were saying before how um, Julian was uh, represented overseas as well. So what, what sort of, how are you known worldwide and what sort of collaborations have you done?
1: Well, we've been working pretty hard. I've been at Arts Project for 12 years, but even prior to me coming, there were a number of um, relationships built with supported studios like ours, which is the term, uh, for supported studios like ours, ours that work with neurodiverse artists um, across the world. So we had a bit of a loose network built there. But we've certainly, in the last 10 years, it's been part of our priority to, because we think we're best practice internationally. Yeah. Yeah. We we treat artists ethically. There's an artist agency agreement. The artists are paid for the sale. All the things that an ethical commercial gallery would do. Yeah. Would do. And, um, of course, underpinned by 100,000 lots of compliance because of the way we're funded. <laughs> but um, we have well, quite a number of things in place. So we we look at, for us, a measure of success, if an artist is represented by a gallery, an external gallery, commercial gallery, either in Australia or overseas, that's fantastic. Yep. broadens their audience incredibly and um, Julian's been represented by Fleischer Olman for a number of years now, as has another artist of ours, Alan Constable. Ah, And, yeah. and Alan is also so Sometimes a gallery will say, I just want to do a show with this yep. artist. Great, we'll, we'll facilitate it, organise it, we'll forego any commission because it's great for the artist and the artist will make money from the sales. Yep. But we've also developed closer relationships with a number of um, studios, uh, particularly in the US and the UK. Yep. And we have just had an international art auction run by our local Um, auctioneer house Leonard Joel but it's an online global auction and it's featuring works from supported studios from the UK from America from Canada and Korea and as as well as Australia. Wow. So we see it as part of our as as being a leader in this um, space that we it's our job to bring studios together to learn from each other. We all do the same thing but we all do it in different ways.
0: And that's actually really good as well, isn't it, to have that sort of network that you can reach out to and speak to those other people, see what they're doing. And I guess it helps everybody to create a better a, a better studio for, it, for you, for them, because you can work through different ideas of what's going on in different places around the world.
1: Well, look, I think, you know, a good idea should be used again and again and again. I'm, yeah. We're not precious about the way we do things. We're happy to share our practice and our philosophies with anyone, and you know that's that's where it becomes a really positive thing. We've we've actually held we were going to last year, but you know COVID happened. Yeah. But we've already held a supported studios forum at Arts Project for Australian supported studios because we all work in relative isolation, yeah. and some are, we're probably one of the biggest, but um, there are a lot of really small ones that are doing fantastic work, and they need help just to understand how to go the next step, how to, how yeah, to broaden yeah. their profile and their reach. So we held a forum at um, Arts Project in 2019 and had about 70 people from studios around Australia come. And we made it free, just come along. Yeah. But we put on a whole lot of speakers and everyone was sharing their practice and artists talked about their work. And that's just so cool.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, because the learning then for everybody is immense, isn't it? Because just so many new ideas come in that maybe you hadn't thought of or you're sharing ideas with them and it's helping them get a foot up, as you say, and, and be able to be more creative and stand out a bit more.
1: Totally. And I think the interesting thing is the histories of all these organisations are all, are all a bit different, but ultimately they were started they grew out of a local community, they grew out of a passion that someone had in the local community and and with Arts Project it was a lady called Myra Hilgendorf who had, she had a daughter with a profound intellectual disability Um, but Myra was an artist and she used to make work with her daughter Joanna and thought this is fantastic art, this needs to be showcased, it needs to be out there. So she gathered a group of like-minded people around her and kick-started Arts Project in
0: 1974.
1: Wow. Yeah. So we're coming up for our 50th anniversary in 2024, which is wow! Beautiful. Oh, my yeah. God. I didn't realise
0: it had been around that long.
1: Yeah. Well, the first 10 years were just about exhibiting art by people with disabilities in a dignified and respectful way. Yeah. So framing them properly, mounting them properly, putting them in a gallery instead of the supermarket wall. Yeah. And then that was the time when there were, institutions and they were just starting to break up and they decided that really, let's start our own studio where we can make sure people are given good quality materials yeah. and given the freedom to explore the way they wanted to, um, to make art. And that's pretty much, we started with, I don't know, a little two hours a week with six artists. And here we are, we represent over 160 artists now and we operate six days a week.
0: Uh, look, it's brilliant. And, you know, you're saying since you, you've been going since 1974, yeah, I mean I, I can just see that the confidence and self-esteem in the people with an intellectual disability and not just in your studio but from what happens in your studio to then going out into the real world and even just simple things that we take for granted like doing our shopping or uh, going to post a letter, you know, they've got that more confidence because they realise they're good at something and they are, they should be proud. You know, I think we've come a long way in acceptance with people with disability that there shouldn't be any differences, but I still think we have some parts of the community who uh, I don't really want to put it into words, but I think we've still got a long way in teaching the community how to treat people with a disability and not fear them and not feel that they are not able to say what they need to say.
1: I totally agree. And I think there's you know there's a historical factor there because there were many years where people with disabilities were hidden away and yeah. and, and kept away from but I think most of us today know someone with a disability you yeah. know we work with them we we live with them, we live next you know it's it's not an unusual thing now yeah so I think for particularly I, I find the younger people that come in to volunteer and work in our studio are so open-minded and and receptive and inclusive. Yeah. It's sometimes people of a certain age who have a bit of trouble <laughs> changing their behaviors.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, that that's sort of where I was going, but you summed it up a lot more succinctly than what I did. I, I think um older generations are still sort of a bit stuck in that um that time period and also to do with uh, sexuality and stuff like that. And I think as younger people are coming up, we are more a lot more inclusive in the schools, which is great because those things then don't become something that carry on into later life.
1: Well, exactly. Actually, I, I do have a bit of a funny story. One of the artists who I've been talking about who had a fascination with body parts um, had made a, a fairly outstanding vagina. <laughs> um, in 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 soft and fur and all that sort of thing. And it was outstanding. It sold like the clappers. It was, you know, just super brilliant. And we thought it was so good that we included an image of it in our annual report. We include our annual reports full of lots of art. Yeah. And I had only one, but I had one person contact me and say that they thought it was terribly inappropriate. And I said, and did, how did I, you know, how did I feel it was appropriate to put something like that in your report? And I said, it's a piece of art. It's very well done. Yeah. And we don't censor the art, you know. We no. don't say you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, but it's well known that people with intellectual disabilities have problems with sexuality. I said, yes, but they still have sexuality. Yes. And nothing that we're going to do to prevent them expressing that. And it was, you know, it was Quite an interesting conversation. They weren't. They still weren't happy with me at the end, but um, I well, explained
0: myself. I, I can see exactly where you're coming from because running this studio here, I've had conversations with a few parents, and some are how do I help them express their sexuality? And then others are, don't let them see any images like this because we don't want their sexuality to come out. And I say to them, look, it's not about me controlling how they see their sexuality. If you want me to help you with some ideas of where they can go, what they can do, who you can talk to, happy to do that. But I'm not here to suppress someone's Urges, you know, not not urges, that's not good. (laughs) But you know what I mean, that, you know, they, they should be able to be able to talk freely. And some afternoons here, we might have a load of men in the studio working and I'll say to them, look, we haven't got any female staff in here. So, look, if you want to talk about anything to do with sex, whatever it is, let's talk about it. We're all men and you can get it all out of your system. And we do and then they don't talk about it for another month because they just need someone to talk to about it and listen. And, you know, there's me uh, facilitating and four or five guys, they're just talking about normal stuff that most men would talk about and it's giving them an opportunity to talk about it without women around and uh, in a safe environment. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and that's, you know, in a, in a way that's what the studio is like on an ongoing basis. And often the expression comes through their art. I'm not saying there aren't conversations as well. You know, (laughs) we have people who live in in houses where they're not allowed to discuss politics, and that's what they like to have a chat when they come to Arts
0: Project as well. And when you think about it, the houses they come from um, are actually their houses. Um, (laughs) So they should be allowed to talk about whatever they like. It's not really for the staff to say what they can and can't talk about, I guess unless they talk repetitively about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the yeah, It's when you go on and on and on, obviously. Yeah, yeah.
0: and I can see where that would go, yeah. <laughs> um, so how have you managed through COVID? Because COVID must have been really hard for an art studio with lots of artists coming in and working and getting together to then have to do what?
1: Well, we haven't been able to have it open for a lot of the last 18 months, obviously, because of yeah. government restrictions. And interestingly, in getting in touch with all these studios around the world... You know, our UK and US—they were closed for twelve months. Wow! Just closed. So um, they uh, we closed, you know, in March last year, and then there's been on again, off again. But when we did return, so the first thing we did was go. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah. Um, we'll we'll go to remote Zoom studio sessions. Yeah. Thinking it'll never work, but we have to do something. Because yep. you know, bottom line is if we don't deliver, we don't get paid. But we also needed to keep keep the artists connected in some way and working. Yeah. So we developed Uber Art where our studio manager James would ferry out, drop off good quality art materials to people at home. Oh wow,
0: what a great idea.
1: Yeah. And uh, and then every day that if you came to Arts Project on a Monday, on Monday we would offer you um, two two-hour Zoom sessions, small groups with a staff artist and you would work together. And for some people that didn't work. Yeah. For most people, they loved it. Yep. It, it was a way to connect and our staff artists end up loving it because they were making art with the artists. They never have time to do that. In the no.
0: studio.
1: So they <laughs> were having a great time with that. It get, As you know, Zoom gets a bit fatiguing if you do yep. it too much and too long. But then when we, we were able to start bringing artists back, we couldn't bring them all back so we kept that program going and at some point last year, I said, when I was hearing all these success stories, I said, do you think this is something we could do permanently? Like yeah. in an ongoing, I know everyone wants to go back to the studio, but what about artists who live interstate? What yeah. about artists who live in regional areas? What about artists who just physically couldn't come to the studio? Yeah. And yeah. our studio's full anyway. Yep. Yeah. So we've kickstarted. started It's called Satellite Arts. Wow. And we've got about... 20 artists taking part in that from regional Victoria. We've got an artist from Hobart. We've got an artist from New South Wales. So um, we've got a few people and they join one or two sessions a week and they work with a staff artist to, once again, develop their practice. And they'll this year for the first time they'll be having artworks in our annual gala. Um, so that, that was a really good thing that came out of that it. That is brilliant. Yeah, that is yeah. brilliant. The other thing that we had to do, of course, was look at our studio and see if it was COVID safe, and it wasn't because we had artists sharing tables, yep. working together, being able to wander around, do what they like. So we had to do a big rejig of the studio and make sure we had enough distance and there's only one artist per table, there's plexiglass screens up, they have to wear masks. Honestly, it's not the communal environment it used to be, yet they are so excited to be back when they're back. Yeah, yeah They yeah. don't care about all of that, yep. and as a result of that, at the gallery we had at Northcote, we had to turn into a second studio to accommodate all our artists, so we've opened a new gallery space at an arts precinct at Collingwood Yards, wow. which, although it's only been open for about five months this year, in that five months had more visitation than we would have had an entire year at Northcote because it's a destination. So that's yep. been a really big silver lining. Oh, yeah. A lot more a lot of different people coming to see the artwork, visiting the exhibitions. And the last thing we did was um, develop an international platform, if you like, to not not just about Arts Project Australia, but to promote the voices of neurodiverse artists in the UK and Australia as part of the British Council's UK-Australia program. And that is a fantastic, accessible website with artist and curator collaborations between the countries. And we're really hoping we can grow that out to bring on other countries once this year's over. That's called Art et al. So, um, yeah, and to top it off, we won the Melbourne Award for Arts and Culture Response to COVID. So I think we did okay.
0: Well, well, you must have, mustn't you? I mean, look, I think anyone working in these times here in Australia, it's incredible that you can actually do anything. And like you said about the working with people in not yeah, rural Australia or country, country Australia, um, we found when we first started, like when this fall first started, I didn't even know what Zoom was and people were calling me saying, can you do a Zoom call? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about or what games have you got on Zoom? I don't have any games. But we put out a, um, a music trivia year one we had a sing-along on zoom um we had a bingo games and we had a disco and after covid finished they were all really successful after covid finished the bingo is still going twice a week and we've got people in mornington peninsula up in ballarat and they say that like in these places unless something like this was happening we don't have anything to do because we can get a carer but if we're not allowed out of the house they just come here and we sit and watch tv You know, so. I
1: think think COVID has really highlighted where more accessibility was necessary and it's created a lot of accessible opportunities. Yeah. You know, even down to theatre companies, streaming shows. You know, my parents are 85. They don't want to drive into the city at night and go to it. But if they can sit at home and do it.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's actually, well, probably more than doubling your revenue. If you had a, a music show on in the city and you have, 5,000 people in the audience, but then you can have 5,000 people watching at home as well, you know, they're going to generate more money for what they need to do. I mean, yeah, I I think uh, COVID and Zoom have really opened all of our eyes up to what we can achieve and how we can connect, especially in disability, because we have two guys, one's in a wheelchair and one's uh, in a bed, and they join our disco every second Friday night from home. um, And they're able to uh, be in a disco and wave their arms around, sing along. Whereas if they had to go somewhere, they can't go because one's in a bed and one's in one of the big wheelchairs. So it's really hard for them to get anywhere. This is, they just turn on their Zoom and for two hours they've got entertainment. We're dancing, there's lights, there's music. You know, those sort of things are really helping everybody to be able to enjoy the normal things that everybody takes for granted.
1: I agree. And I think that has been um, quite a major silver lining for broadly, you know,
0: yeah.
1: coming out of, of, not coming out, we're still in it really, but I, I hope that people hang on to that because I, I know that a lot of organisations pivoted, if you like, to being online. Yeah. But they, the minute they didn't have to be, Bournemouth was off, whereas we already know, we've, we've already found um, people that want to connect that yeah. way and need to connect that way if they're going to do something meaningful with their art. So I think it's brilliant, brilliant. And look,
0: especially people, as we say, in the country who have limited services where they are, for them to log on two three hours a week and at least have some sort of thing that they can be part of and make friends like we've got a, a woman of 61 in Geelong she hasn't been allowed to leave her well I think she can now but she couldn't leave the old people's home because of COVID she started joining the bingo and the sing-along and she's made all these friends online and that wasn't something we thought about we just thought let's provide a service where people can come on play a bingo game but they all we now have to open five minutes earlier so they can all have a quick chat to each other before the game starts you know, who would have thought that would have happened for people that are so far away from each other? It's amazing.
1: I think think you were were saying, Dan, that we we had a a party this week. The artists are not doing sessions this week. It's the break. But we had a a Zoom beach party where you had to bring your, you know, wear your togs and your hat and your sunglasses. (laughs) And really it's 60 people on a Zoom call with music playing. And it's just an hour of... People going, oh, I haven't seen you for ages, and I haven't done this, and I haven't mayhem. But everyone going, oh, this is this is something I belong to. This is something really fantastic. Definitely,
0: yeah. Look, last year for Halloween, we because we were doing the uh, weekly disco, and we had about ten to twelve people joining us each week. But we said, all right, on because on, it was Halloween, I think on the Saturday, so we said we're going to do a three-hour spectacular. There was myself, my business partner. And my nephew, all in the studio, we all dressed up. We had lights. We had um, spiders and they hanging around us. And we said, dress up if you want to. Well, out of the 28 people, everybody dressed up. They all hired costumes, made costumes. And it was so good to see everyone. And we intended to give out like, I think, five or ten prizes for best dressed. But then when we saw that everybody was dressed, we were like, look, we're going to give you all a $10 voucher <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't not give it to people because everybody looked so great.
1: Yeah, they, when they make an effort, it's really
0: good. It's brilliant. So if people are listening around the world and they want to help with Arts Project, what can they do? I guess they can donate to you.
1: You can buy artwork. We've got oh, definitely, yeah. 60 artists um, represented on our website. You can go our website, www.artsproject.org.au, and you can join, you can sign up for our newsletter and we that'll let you know what's happening. We do a lot of online exhibitions as well now. And auctions. And auctions. Or, yes, you can make a donation or you can just support our work anyway. I mean, we, we love to, um, wherever you are in the world, we've got friends everywhere and we love to keep people in touch with what we're doing. And then you can also make connections with studios like us in your actual country or area.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Look, I mean, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I think uh, it's really good to make people aware of what things are going on around the world, how people with disability are being able to fulfil what they need to do, confidence, self-esteem, feel good about themselves, be advocated for or helped advocate, um, be able to try things like you're doing, do artwork doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be this huge artist but you're going to feel so much better in what you're doing and you're going to have a direction that you know you probably didn't even realize you had
1: no and that that's absolutely it we have people that have been having one day a week for 20 years and they're never going to be the best-selling artist in the world but they love it and they get a lot out of it yeah but then we also have people who start that way and Really, find that they have got something magical and that they can be a tremendous success in that way. But any artist will feel like a success at Arts Project because they're all valued and they're all valued as and artists.
0: That's, yeah, that's important. That was the word I was looking for before to feel valued and part of a community, a culture. There's nothing like it where you can go, you feel comfortable, you know you can be, you're accepted by everyone there. Uh, I mean, that just helps you grow so much, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's really fantastic for me, um, particularly so artists that were new 12 years ago, to see where they have got to now. So I now understand those that have been with us for 20 or 30 years, what an important role we've played in their lives. And they were
0: saying, As I was saying to you about those different paintings I had on my wall from the same person, to see the change in how their art has progressed and how they look at things. And, you know, I mean, I even remember this guy, Tim, that you know I know. Um, he started doing, I think it was photography, and I was thinking, ah, oh, you know, he hasn't got great eyesight. What's he going to do? Two of the pictures, one was a, a photograph uh, in a lift doorway, but from such an angle it was it blew my mind and it would be something that if I saw in a gallery I would look at and go wow that's amazing and Tim did it and I was like wow you have got such a unique look at what's around you whereas you know I would look at it and go oh I need to get that door framed perfectly you know whereas he had on a bit of an angle and a bit this way and it was brilliant you know what they capture is things that we don't even look at.
1: Well we all see things different ways and I always find it interesting that, you know, some of our best artists um, have really, you know, strong vision impairment. So they see things differently and they represent them differently and it's fantastic the way they're represented.
0: Yeah. All right, look, Sue, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Do you want to give me your website again?
1: www.artsproject.org org.au.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, it's the first time I've seen you since COVID started. And uh, again on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> At
1: the same time of day, so that's okay.
0: <laughs> that's brilliant. I love it that it's the same time of day. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other and thanks for listening.